Hey, everybody, and welcome into a new episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined, as always, by Dave Matter from the Columbia Bureau. Dave, we made it. It's uh, Mizzou football's opening week. There were some questions as to if this would happen. There's still some questions as to if things might change a little bit before Saturday's game. We're recording this, of course, on a, on a Tuesday morning, and that's football in 2020. A lot could change between now and Saturday. We'll get into that. Um, we're going to uh, look at Alabama, a tough opening game for the Tigers in a, a Crimson Tide team that is pretty loaded and pretty motivated after a disappointing for them season last year. We'll dig into that and also get Dave's games that he's watching this week besides Mizzou, um, where every week we're going to get Dave's uh, most interesting non-Mizzou SEC game. And uh, there's plenty of interesting games on the docket this weekend. We'll get into all that here on the Eye on the Tigers podcast. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. All right, Dave, you and I are scheduled to be there Saturday for uh, this uh, first game of the Eli Drinkwitz era at Mizzou. And uh, we, it's going to be about 20% maybe capacity in, uh, in Memorial Stadium. It's going to look different. We're probably going to be further apart than we usually are, um, yep. making our, uh, making our uh, sarcastic comments to one another during a game. Um, and, and it'll be different, but, but, but that's the plan for now, and we're both excited about it. What kind of uh, – what are you expecting Saturday? And also, what, do you, what does Mizzou have to get through in order to have everything good to go on Saturday? Um, two more rounds of, of COVID testing before the Tigers can hit the field. We already know there will be double-digit number of players not available for Saturday's game. It sounds like Alabama, which is testing every day, has uh, fewer COVID um, players out for now. But that, of course, could – could change. Um, where do you make it where things stand as of Tuesday? As of Tuesday, and this is before Eli Drinkwitz's weekly Zoom gathering with the media where he will presumably update that COVID number. And then again, it's, it's game week. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll just say, hey, last week I said it was 12. You know it can't go lower than that. Maybe it's higher, maybe not. So we don't really know what he's going to share. Um, what we do know is the SEC has announced these cancellation thresholds you have to have 53 scholarship players available to play your game. And then there's position limits. You have to have one quarterback. You have to have seven offensive linemen. You have to have four defensive linemen. That being said, the same announcement also said, you can still play your games if you don't meet these thresholds, but this is what we're advising. This is the agreement, basically. Um, Could Missouri play a game with only six? It'll be hard. Six offensive linemen. Uh, maybe you move some tight ends over to, to offensive line. Remember, offensive linemen don't just play offensive line. They block on the PAT field goal teams. Um, they're involved in special teams. Um, we know that that is a, a position of attrition, basically. Drinkwitz has sort of alluded to that with COVID. And we know a couple guys have been hurt. Hyron White, who would probably be a starter at tackle. And then Mitchell Walters, the true freshman from Melville High School, I don't think he was going to play a lot this year, maybe not at all, but he had a broken leg in this camp uh, or lower body injury. And I think it's more like hockey terms nowadays with, uh, with Drinkwitz. <laughs> so um, that would be the position of concern. We'll see what he says today on Tuesday. But then again, like you mentioned, they've got more testing to get through. They test three days a week. They test Sunday. They would know those results by now, I would think. Um, or they will by Wednesday. They test Wednesday, and then they test the day before the game on Friday. So all of those results could still impact uh, whether or not there's a game 
big picture would be that concern. And then whether or not who's available for that game against Alabama. And like you said, you know, Nick Saban has not been very transparent with COVID stuff. They're just not giving the same kind of updates like Missouri is and like some other schools are. And when he was asked about it Monday on his Zoom, he said they have one player out with a broken arm. He said, we don't know of anybody else out with an injury. He didn't really specifically answer the question about COVID. He said, we're testing every day. And as we know, those answers can change. So daily testing, which is a huge luxury to have in college football, I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure there's another team that's doing it. Um, you, you really limit the contact tracing because if you're testing every day, it doesn't matter who that player was with three days ago because uh, you you're going to test everybody. So that puts them at a serious competitive advantage, not just for this game, but, but every game they play, if they don't have to guy, have guys sitting out who aren't necessarily positive, but, but have you know, been connected as a close contact. So the stakes in this game are um, maybe not so big for the standings, but they're, they're big in the, in, in the COVID uh, competition, if you will. We've seen some games canceled up close to the, the start of the game or postponed, I guess would be a, a better word. Um, and, and this will be kind of the SEC's first foray into this. So I would imagine they would like to avoid those helter-skelter reschedulings, although it is worth pointing out, as you mentioned as we were preparing for the podcast, Mizzou and Alabama do share the same bye week. So that could be convenient if the situation demands some sort of rescheduling. Hopefully it doesn't happen, and hopefully we're there Saturday covering a game, which which leads us into talking about this Alabama team, Dave, and it's odd. Um, it, we kind of know more about Alabama right now than we do about Mizzou. Um, yep. This has been a, a Mizzou season where, you know, you are the guy who's most tied in on, on the Tigers, and you're the first one to admit that you're not really sure what it's going to look like on Saturday because there's been no opportunities really to view the team due to the COVID restrictions. Eli Drinkwitz has, has to this point, not released a depth chart of kind of trying to keep his cards close to the vest. And, and there, there's just a lot of mystery around this team, probably more than there ever has been of any Mizzou team that, that either of us have, have, have attempted to cover. Alabama, though, we kind of know about. We've seen their depth chart. We know what they did last season. Nothing much has changed. They've got a new defensive coordinator. Um, but but we kind of know what Alabama is going to look like. They've got a quarterback in Mac Jones who played a little bit last year when Tua was hurt. Played pretty well, but he's not that 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 massive name NFL prospect and waiting quarterback that we've seen at Alabama under Tua. So maybe there's some maybe there's some advantage there. You think you'd rather have Mac Jones be the quarterback you're facing if you're Mizzou than Tua? Um, but you also have a defense that is loaded and is probably motivated to get back to to you know, the standing that it's had and that it lost a little bit last season. Some of those young players who had to play for Alabama last season when they had some injuries, they're back and they've had that experience now. Alabama missed the college football playoff last year, something that you know was, was stuck in Nick Saban's craw this entire offseason. Um, I think we're probably going to see almost like an old-school Alabama team, which is defense first and, and plenty motivated to prove that it can still be, you know, a national championship contender. Yeah, and, and they still do have firepower on offense. Um, Najee Harris might be the best running back in the SEC, if not the country. A real receiving threat. Guy catches a lot of balls. Uh, at least he did when they threw it around a lot with Tua. Two wide receivers who, again, might be the best in the SEC. I think they were both first-team preseason all-SEC picks by the, by the coaches. 
Jalen Waddell, who's a return guy also, and then Devontae Smith, who averages like 40 yards per reception. <laughs> Just exaggerating a little bit there, but it seems like he does because he is super fast and, um, and a huge playmaker. He's going to be a huge challenge for anyone to cover, much less this Missouri secondary. Defensively, Dylan Moses, if Nick Bolton's not the best linebacker, inside linebacker in the SEC, Dylan Moses is. Missed all of last season with an ACL injury. Could have entered the NFL draft um, or, could it, or could have opted out this year and waited around until the 2021 draft, but he's going to play. Sounds like a, a man on a mission. So it's Alabama. They're loaded. You know, they had, they had some defensive issues last year, and some of that was related to injuries. Uh, you would think they, you know, the, the depth at Alabama usually isn't an issue. You just replace one five-star with another five-star. But reality is, you know, there's other good teams in this league, and LSU – was awesome last year and they beat them and then they, they lost the, the Iron Bowl to Auburn, missed the playoffs, had to settle for beating Michigan in the, uh, I think it was the Capital One Bowl. So still by any other team standard, probably a really good season, but by Alabama standards, absolutely not. So you know they're just itching to get going here. They're, they're number two in the country. Uh, they're, I don't know if they're a unanimous pick to win the SEC West, but they were predominantly favored, even though LSU won the national title last year, even though there's always going to be some Texas A&M preseason love and a little bit for Auburn, but um, it's Alabama. And if, there, if there's any coach in the country who's going to find a way to motivate his team and, and get them thinking that they aren't being respected enough, um, it's Nick Saban. So, so he'll, he'll play that card this year, and he plays it as well as anybody. I'm sure that Saban has his team thinking that uh... – everyone is picking Mizzou over Alabama and that, uh, you know, that Alabama will go winless this season. He's a master of motivation in that way. And uh, it's, it's amazing what a coach like that can do when you give him some semblance of a slight, even if it, uh, even if it is not, uh, not real. Um, but uh, that of course leads to my, one of my favorite Nick Saban stories ever. And it, it's part myth maybe, but there seems to be some truth in it that came from someone I used to cover at, at Tennessee who had worked under Saban. And they said that after a national champ, one of the national championship wins, they were flying back. The team was, you know, celebrating obviously. And, yeah. and, and the guy looks up on the plane and Saban is just like ripping into a few assistants. And later it's like, what's going on? And, and it came to find out that Saban was mad that, that they were so far behind on recruiting um, <laughs> by winning the national championship. And that's kind of how he works, man. It's, it's, it's part myth, but it's part real too. Um, and so that's, that's Alabama. And it's a tough, uh, tough ass to start your season with, uh, with that kind of opponent. It's even tougher when, you know, Drinkwitz is saying that he doesn't know sometimes who's going to be on his offensive line every day at practice. Some of this might be a little selling by Drinkwitz. You know, it's in his best interest to make folks feel like he doesn't know which way is up with this roster. And that's part of the reason we haven't seen a depth chart mystery can be his friend here um right. he has to know a little bit more than he's more than he's letting on though it sounds like dave that sean robinson will at least get the first crack at quarterback the graduate transfer from tcu we know the tigers have a couple grad transfer receivers and expect to start a grad transfer center on the offensive line the defense for missouri should be its cornerstone it's got returning players back nick bolton the great leader at linebacker um missouri's offense is going to be up in the air, but you've done enough research to think there might be some surprise factors sprinkled in there. Um, what are you kind of expecting to see on the field from the Tigers in this much protected mystery type uh, run up to the season? 
offensively, and someone in my chat last week asked a good question. If Drinkwitz likes, he likes these kind of unconventional trick plays. You know, I, I think I had the stat in the six years that he's been a coordinator or called plays, and that's at Boise State, Arkansas State, NC State, and Appalachian State. He loves those state schools. Um, he's had 25 attempted passes by somebody who wasn't a quarterback, either a running back or a receiver. And um, that's kind of a staple of what he does. Now, does he, does he lean on that in that direction more so in a game where he's a decided underdog and just take more chances? Or do you go the opposite approach? Are you more conservative, try to play ball control, try to limit Alabama's touches and try to keep the score respectable? I don't know. We don't know enough about him and his, his kind of psyche, his approach on these things. He's, I haven't done the, the research yet, but I can't imagine he's had too many games where he's been a 28-point underdog. I mean, it didn't happen last year at Appalachian State. I doubt it happened at NC State. Even when they played Clemson, I doubt they were a 28-point underdog against them at any point. Definitely not at Boise State, where they were the best team in that conference every year. Um, this, is, this is new territory for him. This is – don't want to get go too crazy on point spreads, but this is the largest point spread, the biggest underdog Missouri has been at home since the flea kicker game in 1997 against Nebraska, that was I think a 29 and a half point spread. And we know Missouri took Nebraska to overtime and probably should have won that game. Um, probably. But since then, how many years have gone past since then? 23 years. Missouri has never been an underdog by four touchdowns or more. So this is historic to some sense. Now, do, do the odds makers know what they're doing this year? Probably not so much. I mean, you know, with, with COVID, with no – with interrupted training camps, with no non-conference games, you know, there's going to be some upsets this week, just like we've seen around the country. Um, but I think that's still a statement, that this is historic proportions. In the Saban era, they've been a road favorite by more points only twice. That was when – in both 2018, when they were huge favorite at Arkansas and huge favorite at Tennessee. They won those games, but uh, I think they only covered in one of them. So even – for Alabama, this is somewhat uncharted territory being favored by this many points on the road. And again, road home, is, is there going to be that much of an advantage with smaller crowds? I imagine there will be some Alabama fans in the stands. They're probably already here in town in Columbia, um, the diehards that want to travel through a pandemic. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be all those, you know, parts of the game are interesting. Um, because it is such an unconventional game. But that's what I'm curious to see. Will Missouri even be on the field long enough? Will they get enough first downs to try some trick plays, to do some things that are going to try to confuse Alabama? Um, you know, I, we, we just don't know. We haven't seen this guy coach a game yet with, with this team. Yeah, I, I hope he, he – uh, if he has some tricks up his sleeve, throw them out there. Now, you might want to save some for uh, <laughs> for other opponents. You don't want to put it all on film first week. But uh, – you know, there is kind of an element to this season, and I tried to write about that a little bit this week, is, you know, we're always talking about what to expect win-wise win for, for teams, yeah. and that's tough to do with an all-conference schedule um, in a first year of a coach who was really limited in what he could do with this new team because of the because of the COVID situation. And we it's really just hard to know much about this group. So I, I don't know. I mean, this team could win two, three, four games, and, and I don't know that that would be – disappointing but the thing I think that everybody if you're if you're a follower of Mizzou can look at is hey you get six or seven chances depending on how the schedule shakes out to play ranked teams 
And that's six or seven chances to go and, and turn one of those teams' world upside down. And those upsets are going to happen this year. I mean, to me, that's a great endorsement of Drinkwitz if he can stun a top 25 team with a team that nobody's really expecting all that much out of. I think this would be the year to go signature win hunting and why not do it with, with uh, you know, with some tricks. And, and you're, you're, against Alabama especially, you're playing with house money. So don't yeah. be afraid to make some, make some bets if you're Mizzou on some big plays. Um, Dave, I wanted to, to get your thoughts. I want to do this every week where we kind of look at the schedule around the SEC. Um, there's some interesting games this week. I mean, you've got uh, – well, th- that's the plus side of this, of this all-SEC schedule. There's not going to be any weeks where there's duds because every week right. there's going to be conference games. So we've got Georgia and Arkansas, Texas A&M and Vanderbilt, Tennessee, South Carolina, Florida Ole Miss – Mississippi State at LSU. We've got debuts for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Debuts for for crazy Mike Leach at uh, at Mississippi State. There's going to be intrigue all over the place here. Um, I didn't mention one of those, but you told me that you're really interested in in Kentucky Auburn. Why? Are, why? What's intriguing to you about that game? Well, I I think this is a huge kind of prove it game for Kentucky. You know, I. Missouri fans especially have slept on Kentucky for so long. It's oh, always, how? It's they always, beat them five years in a row. <laughs> you, look, you look at the schedule every year, and Missouri fans, not all of them, but most of them, and probably media included, okay, yeah. well, this is a win. You know, it's Kentucky. They don't care about football. But they've won five in a row. Look at what Mark Stoops did last year. Um, I might have voted for him. If not for Ed Orgeron, I might have voted for him Coach of the Year. They won yeah. eight games without a quarterback. I mean, they had, they had Benny Snell, who – probably should have been player of the year in the league, not named Joe Burrow, um, playing quarterback. And you knew what they were going to do on every snap, and they still won eight games. And now this is a team that has a really good offensive line. They've got a really good defense. They are really high on Kentucky down in Lexington. And what a great chance for them to go to Auburn. They're, they're an eight-point underdog. Um, you know, I, I think this is a great opportunity for them to, to get a, a – like you said, kind of a signature win. And um, so that, that's a game I think could be really competitive. Also, you got to see what Lane Kiffin can do. He's got some playmakers on that team. And we, Ole Miss was not very impressive against Missouri last year, but they put up some yards. They've got some, some explosive running backs, a couple quarterbacks. I think Lane Kiffin can probably tap more into the talent there than what, what they had last year. They're playing Florida at home. Um, not, not expecting an upset necessarily, but <clears> – <throat> You know, we, we think about, you know, the bottom of the SEC West not being very good, the Mississippi schools in Arkansas, but both Mississippi schools have a chance to make a statement this week. And Mississippi State going to LSU, who knows what Mike Leach can get out of an SEC team. He's got a, a grad transfer quarterback, K.J. Costello from Stanford. How does he fit into that system? LSU lost a ton of talent from, to, to the NFL, but we know Coach O has been recruiting like crazy there, so they'll, they'll just fill in the spots. Um, so I'm I'm interested in those three games just as much as, as any in the in the league this week. If there's a a takedown of the Gators by Ole Miss in Oxford, there might be some problems with social distancing in that uh, <laughs> <laughs> in that town. I'm including Lane Kiffin um, in, in that group here. Um, but man, it is it is fun to talk about SEC football being back, and I think the SEC is just going to dominate the. The, the college football discussion at, at least until the Big Ten gets up and running yeah. and, and perhaps even after that because there's going to be compelling games on every week and I really do think there's going to be upsets pretty much every week I, I think there will be teams that that uh, between you know 
that every team playing under this cloud of COVID with, with a lightning bolt that could strike any time and really change the way a team looks every weekend to just the fact that all these teams are, are good and they're not used to going through the grinder of playing only conference teams. Right. Um, there's going to be upsets. And, and, and that's kind of the thing for Missouri is can it get in on that? Uh, can it get them on that group? Can Missouri be a team that, you know, fans see a crazy season, one that no one expected in Drinkwitz's first season, but find things to say, yeah, they're, this is why we're, we're, we got the right coach. I think right. that's what this season is about for Mizzou. So we'll cover the first chapter of it, Dave. We'll be there on Saturday um, for coverage for the post-dispatch. Um, if there's changes to that plan, you'll have the news first at stlthan.com and in the pages of the post-dispatch. I'm glad we made it this far, man, and I'm looking forward to covering some ball and hope this week gets us there uh, on Saturday. So I'll plan on seeing you then unless I hear differently, and we will uh, we'll cover some football. Hey, if, 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 they, if for some reason they can't play, my kids do have a soccer game in the morning, so you're more than welcome to come to that and write a column off of the uh, – Can I rip the – are you the coach? Oh, hell no. It's soccer. <laughs> <laughs> I barely know what was, I'm watching, much less do they was, know what they're doing. So, uh, so yeah. I was going to come rip the coach. I'll just come criticize the coach. You know, oh. say the matter, the matter boys need more playing time. No. They're, I saw, they're actually, out. I saw – I saw a photo of, of one of your boys and the soccer team, and he's wearing like the Marcel Ozuna neon green shorts. I thought, I think he might be a little too flashy. That, that's Will, the four-year-old. He also is playing soccer this year. His games are, um, uh, there's not a lot of structure to them. It's three on three, and uh, it's just, uh, it's fun to watch though. We, last week, the opposing coach was former Mizzou legend, living legend, Tom Wheelahan who is a, a character in and of himself. He, is. Uh, he knows about kicking. His, his team kicked ours badly. So uh, I think he had some ringers on there. It wasn't fair. Well, uh, we'll hold him accountable if, uh, if we don't have a football game to cover on Saturday. Dave, you have to get work, man. We'll talk to you here soon. Okay, sounds good.